services. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ocupawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the upcoming. NCAA Basketball Tournament Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. After a couple of days off, it is good to be back with you on this Tuesday, February the 21st of 2023. Hope you had a terrific weekend. I was back in my home state of Illinois for a few days and left 60 degree weather yesterday, which was kind of hard to do, to be honest with you. It was definitely a day to get out and play a little golf or do a little yard work back there. But back here in South Bend, it was just a a tad bit cooler. Sounds like we might warm up and cool down and warm up and cool down around these parts, but we're still in February. At the very least, we can flip on the television or go to the internet and check out some of those spring training pictures that are taking place. And it's also a good sign that college baseball got underway over the weekend. It sounded like the Irish baseball team had a little issue offensively. I got to be honest, just kind of keeping an eye on Florida State. Coach Jarrett, of course, left Notre Dame for Florida State. And, man, what an impact he made on that team already. They had major strikeout issues the last few years. In three games, they struck out a total of 15 times. So no surprise, Coach Jarrett at his alma mater already making an impact with the way that he and his coaching staff teaches. And those two teams will be meeting at X Stadium later on this year in ACC play. Well, it is 10 minutes after 5 o'clock. On this Tuesday evening, here's what we have in store for you. First off, we have two hours of local sports talk coming up. And I'm going to spend a couple of segments on the press conference, which took place yesterday at the University of Notre Dame. Irish head coach Marcus Freeman introducing Jared Parker, 
formerly tight end coach, now offensive coordinator, tight end coach for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. I'll allow you to hear from the two gentlemen from their press conference from yesterday. We'll have a couple of words on, man, oh, man, the Irish basketball team losing another tough one. I mean, the scars from all these tough losses this year just have to be getting bigger and bigger by the second. And they're back in action tomorrow against North Carolina at Purcell Pavilion. And boy, do the Heels need a victory as they are struggling to make the NCAA tournament. The Heels were number one in the country earlier this year against quad one teams. North Carolina is 0-9. Really, at this point of the season last year, we were having a similar conversation. Would North Carolina even make the NCAA tournament? They clicked right at the end of the regular season. You might recall they beat Coach Krzyzewski and Duke in Coach's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. They got into the NCAA tournament. They got hot at the right time. They beat Duke again in the Final Four and then got all the way to the championship game where they were ahead before finally losing to Kansas. But now here Carolina's back in a very similar spot, struggling, and they cannot afford a loss to Mike Bray's Fighting Irish tomorrow night, a game you can hear on WSBT Radio at 9 o'clock with an 8.30 pregame. Also coming up on the program this evening, Let's see, we've got our Twitter question of the day to get to. We have a little sizzler, some sports wagering pick for tonight's action, including the Michigan State-Indiana basketball game up in East Lansing. And our My 5 question of the day is players that I would not want on my team despite how good they are. This question got brought up recently. I came up with the idea when Kyrie Irving got traded Once again, from Brooklyn to Dallas, he has been traded numerous times and just leaves collateral damage wherever he departs. He's now in Dallas. So that got me thinking about players that I would not want on my team despite how good they are. We'll bring you that list coming up here in a little bit on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And one other thing I want to point out, we do have high school boys basketball action on our sister station, 96-1 the ton tonight. It is the 16-5 Mishawaka Cavemen. They will have their Rackyard Brawl contest with one of the best teams in the state of Indiana. The Class 4A second-ranked Penn Kingsman have lost only one time this year. Rarely challenged in games this year. Mishawaka and Penn from the Penn Palace. Brian Miller, Coach Ryan Heklinski will have the call from the Palace tonight. Probably pregame a little after 7 o'clock on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. With that, let's get rolling with our hat trick of opening topics. So three storylines to get the program started. We begin with Notre Dame football. And for the first time since reportedly naming his new offensive coordinator, we heard from Fighting Irish Head football coach Marcus Freeman yesterday as well as his new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. So let's begin by allowing you to hear from Coach Freeman, his opening thoughts on the decision he had to make. There was a lot of names being kicked around, some 
apparently got deep into discussion to be the offensive coordinator. Some went to hockey games, some didn't. But at the end of the day, a guy that he's known for a long time became his offensive coordinator. Here's head coach Marcus Freeman. I just want to start off by saying how excited I am to announce uh, Jared Parker as our new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, in the direction our offense will go under uh, his leadership, you know. And, uh, you know, I had a criteria and a vision for when this process started of what I was looking for, right? And, and I wanted to see on film a pro-style type offense. What does that mean? It's multiple, multiple formations, multiple personnels, pro-style type concepts in the pass game, multiple running schemes. Um, but there, it is not just one thing that you're looking for right is is multiple different things that i feel will help our guys translate as they move forward to the nfl and so when i say pro style type offense that's what i was talking about and the criteria was we wanted to search nationwide and we wanted to see an offense display right i wanted to see a coordinator call it i want to see somebody run it at a high success rate and that's the criteria i had when i was looking for this offense coordinator um and the top two offenses that you saw on film were Kansas State and uh, Utah. And we inter interviewed both of those guys. We brought them both to campus. And for their own reasons, they decided not to come. And so we reconvened and looked at all these different candidates that we were looking for. And at some point during that process, Jared Parker rose to the top. And, um, you know, we, did it. we put him through a long, tough interview. And what he was able to display to me and where we're at currently as an offense, um, his understanding of the terminology and our offensive philosophy um, in the past year, but also the vision for how he can enhance it with what he's done and what he believes is it takes to be successful as an offensive coordinator. It was halfway through the interview. I kind of, in my mind was made up. I said, this is our next offensive coordinator, but I wanted to take some time and, and, and really sleep on it and think about it and not make an emotional decision. And I woke up in the morning. I remember I called Jack and I said, I think we found our next offensive coordinator. All right, so that was Marcus Freeman. Some of his reasoning during a search that went from coast to coast, he ended up picking someone from his coaching staff, someone he's very familiar with in Jared Parker. Now, during this process, a lot was said. A lot was written. A lot was reported. A lot of different storylines developed. Many of those have been pushed back upon by Notre Dame. So, in the midst of all the conversations of whether Notre Dame balked at the buyout of the Utah offensive coordinator Ludwig, which was reported nationally, Is there full support from the Notre Dame administration toward Marcus Freeman and is the goal, among other things, to win a national championship at Notre Dame? Here's how Marcus Freeman handled that portion of the storyline surrounding Parker becoming offensive coordinator. I don't see if there's any other way um, that they can show more commitment to us having success. I mean, that could be with um, coaching salaries that can be with nil that can be with the support of our football program and continue to enhance everything we do facilities training table whatever it is that we believe 
our program needs to continue to climb to the mountaintop. Um, I've had full support by the administration and Jack. Okay, so Marcus says there were no hiccups in the process despite what was reported by ESPN's Pete Thamel. Now to Jared Parker, the guy in charge of hopefully taking this offense to higher levels. Tommy Reese did a really good job here at Notre Dame, but there are still levels of excellence to strive to get to. You look at recent recent national championship teams, they scored boatloads of points. They would get up into the 40s in their scoring totals. Look at LSU, Alabama. Georgia put up a lot of points despite having a great defense. There is still another level to achieve. Now, part of that can be solved by the fact since Marcus Freeman has become the head coach, the recruiting at a key position has went to an absolute another level. That's the quarterback position. The Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese quarterback recruiting was meh. It was okay. Okay doesn't win you national championships. The Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese combination, we saw the level of excellence raised by getting Sam Hartman to play his last year of football at Notre Dame, a guy that is capable of being an All-American and a Heisman Trophy candidate. And also, you got C.J. Carr committed to the class of 2024. Nothing close to that has occurred when it was Kelly and Reese. So Marcus has definitely made a major impact on the offense, and that is step number one toward becoming a much more consistent offense. Not an offense that picks up 12 yards in the second half against Navy. That's unacceptable. So a lot of things are in place for the new offensive coordinator as he takes over. The running back room, I mean, pick your great running back. You've got a handful to choose from. The quarterback position looks really good as of right now. If nothing changes, the Irish are in really good shape with Hartman and Buckner. Tight end, let's wait and see. Wide receiver, young pups, can they become old quick? Offensive line, you got two anchors at tackle. So there's a lot of good things for Jared Parker to use as offensive coordinator. And he offered a little insight to his new position when he met the media yesterday. Tight end coach and now offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. Every morning I wake up from this point forward will be to put my feet on the ground and make this the right hire for Coach Freeman and everybody in this uh, organization. Um, as far as it goes with the offense, I think that anything you talk about, leadership's a very lonely role I've learned throughout my career. And the first job I have is to, to lead a group of men that are, that are very, very motivated to be great. And what that looks like is, is unfortunately when you lead, you have to hold everybody accountable to the standards set forth from the head coach and then for me in this offense. So holding staff and players accountable is one of the toughest things to transform to. I know early in my career, that looked like really wanting to be a pleaser in some ways and make sure that everybody likes you. And certainly you want to treat people with respect that at the end of the day, they know that. But at the same time, we're doing them an injustice if we don't people hold people accountable to the standards of it. So this offense moving forward is a collaborative effort, but it certainly falls on my name first. As Coach Freeman said, uh, we see us as our structure in the shell of this thing, looking very familiar to a lot of things within the organization. By formation, 
by the way we line up, by the way we get things going in and out of the huddle. Those things will look similar and to adjust and, and grow is one of our golden standard things. And we'll do that. We'll find ways to make sure it fits what we do, but also if there's ways we can enhance what we're doing and take a step in our passing game or our run phase or how we um, operate against um, highly loaded boxes in the run game and all those things will come up. But I think the motivation moving forward will be what can our players do best and how do we make the ball go forward and gain yards and score points? If the answer to that question is yes with any scheme we broach, then we're going to do it. If the answer collaboratively is no or it's too much, then we'll dump it, we'll move forward, keep things simple as we can, and continue to let our guys make our plays work, which is going to be a big theme that I've shared already with the guys. We want our guys to take care of the football. We want them to have effort with physicality. They want them to play with great details and make our plays work. So sometimes we'll cut the amount of plays and more look at making our plays work against multiple fronts and coverages so our guys are confident and play fast. So That's an interesting thought there at the end. Cut down at times the amount of plays and focus on making a certain number of plays work effectively against different defensive fronts. So it's almost like you're taking a batch of plays and let's be ready for anything the defense throws at us at that play rather than having three times as many plays, just giving an example, and maybe not being prepared for some surprises being thrown at you by the defense. So that's an interesting little tidbit that Parker threw in at the end of his opening comments yesterday. Now, coming up later on this hour, I want to play back a few more cuts from Coach Parker, including one thing that need to be explained. There's no one answer to his role at West Virginia when for two years he was the offensive coordinator. What we hear is sometimes he was calling plays, other times he was not. There was no definitive answer. Well, I'm really glad Tim Priester was able to ask him specifically to explain his role at West Virginia. So we'll play back that comment coming up in just a little bit. He also talks about the players that he currently has on his roster on the offensive side of the football and how the relationship with the quarterback coach is going to work. For the last few years, we have had a situation in which Tommy Reese was offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. But now things have changed. Parker will be offensive coordinator, tight end coach, while the newcomer, Gino Gadouli, will become quarterback coach. He leaves Wisconsin after two years, but Gadouli was the quarterback coach when Mike Denbrock, our good friend, was the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati. I would say they made it work pretty well making the playoff two years ago. And turning Desmond Ritter into a draftable NFL player, and he's going to be a starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons this year. So we'll hear Parker talk about that dynamic coming up later on this hour when we spend a little more time hearing from the new Irish offensive coordinator. We move along to 
hat trick topic number two to start the program, and it's the Notre Dame basketball team falling at Virginia. Another nail-biter, 57-55. Dane Goodwin missed a potential game-winning shot at the buzzer, and Notre Dame comes up short in Charlottesville. They are now 0-8 in Charlottesville in program history. Nate Lashevsky has been producing some awfully significant and consistent offensive numbers the last couple of weeks. He had 18 points and eight rebounds against the Hoos on Saturday. Dane Goodwin coming off the bench, 12 points. J.J. Starling, zero points in 14 minutes as he got off two shots when he was out on the floor in that ball game. But Virginia, who led by four at halftime, were outscored by Notre Dame in the second half, but still walk away with a 57-55 victory. The Irish were down nine in the first half, got back in the ball game, and actually outscored Virginia in the paint 22-14. That's significant. Virginia tries to take away the paint with their defense, but Notre Dame was able to put up 22 points in the ball game. Both teams had a rough day shooting the basketball. Notre Dame at 39.2%, Virginia at 36.5%. The Irish... From the three-point line, 7 of 26 for 26%. And Virginia, 7 of 24 for 29%. And credit to the Virginia defense. There were several occasions which Notre Dame just had to fight to avoid a shot clock violation. That defense does such a great job of keeping you to the outside. So the Irish lose 57-55. Mike Bray meeting the Virginia media one final time unless they meet in the ACC tournament. His thoughts on losing to this really good Virginia team by a pair 57-55. One last rodeo with you guys, huh? You gonna miss us? I'm still looking at it in the air. I'm still looking at Goodwin's shot thinking, well, we couldn't ask for a better look. And, um, you know, I love how we played. We gave ourselves a chance. Both games this week in tough environments at Duke, you know, we had chances. We just couldn't get over the hump. You got to give credit to Virginia. You know, they've got a confidence about them to, you know, go ahead and finish. And Clark, Clark, I told Clark, you know, it's last, hopefully it's the last time I'll see him. I really don't want to see him anymore. He's the ultimate winner, man. I said, you are a big time winner, man. Just uh, so impressed with his career. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we had our shots. It's disappointing. That's kind of been our season. We've gotten there. We've kind of, you know, and, uh, but Virginia made some big-time plays when they had to, and they're a very confident group, especially with Clark. Mike, 38 of their 57 points came from their guards. They got a lot of dribble penetration on a day where they didn't shoot it all that well. Um, what did you see in terms of them getting to the rim? Yeah, they're they're really hard to keep out of there. <clears throat> and, you know, we were somewhat worried about, you know, that in a game like this, you know, if they make double-digit threes and, and you overhelp, you're going to lose by 15, you know. But because it was two-point shots and because their tempo always kind of does give you a chance because they're not going to race away from you, you were able to stay within striking distance. Um, but eventually when it comes to a Clark uh, or any of their perimeter guys physically driving you, 
they they really are strong and old and gifted getting to the basket. I, I thought we we did a good enough job stopping the bleeding enough, you know, to have a chance. But sometimes Clark's just going to get there and draw fouls. Fighting Irish head coach Mike Bray, some of his thoughts following. Virginia beating the Irish 57-55, Notre Dame 10-17, 2-14 in the ACC. The Cavaliers improved to 21-4, 13-3 in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And again, the Irish host Carolina tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, here on WSBT Radio. And our final hat trick of opening topics for tonight, maybe the Big Ten race is still on. Things are starting to get a little interesting. Now, Purdue took care of business at home against Ohio State yesterday, beating the Buckeyes at Mackey 82-55. to So the Boilermakers, with three games to go, are 13-4. and They lead Northwestern by a game and a half, and Indiana by two and a half games. For Purdue, the rest of the way, they have some interesting matchups ahead. Now, Fortunately for Matt Painter's team, two of the three games are at home. Coming up on Saturday, it'll be Purdue hosting Indiana. Then they will go to Wisconsin March the 2nd. And then Purdue wraps up the regular season with a game against Illinois on March the 5th. Now Northwestern kept the heat on Purdue by taking care of the Iowa Hawkeyes in Evanston, 80-60. to 60. Coach Fran McCaffrey got the old heave-ho from the ball game, as if you're familiar on Twitter with the DEFCON numbers, they have a FranCon numbers when he blows up, and it was definitely a Fran one during the Northwestern game as he got tossed unhappy with the officiating. How about Northwestern? We know they're good defensively. If you follow Big Ten basketball, for Iowa to be held to 60, that is the ultimate way of telling you Northwestern can defend the great offensive basketball team. So Northwestern is 11-5. They've got a big one coming up on Thursday. The Wildcats will be in Champaign to take on Illinois, and then the Wildcats are at Maryland Sunday. So there is a chance that Purdue can have this thing wrapped up By the weekend, there's a possibility Northwestern could lose twice. And then if Purdue beats Indiana, then all of a sudden, good night, Irene, for the rest of the teams in the Big Ten race. So Purdue 13-4, Northwestern 11-5. The Idiota Ball Club is 10-6. And And then you have almost everybody in the Big Ten at 9-7. Iowa, Maryland, Illinois, Rutgers, and Michigan, with Michigan State sitting at 8-7. And Indiana will be in East Lansing to take on Michigan State tonight. Very intriguing matchup at 9 o'clock at East Lansing. IU already took care of the Spartans in Bloomington earlier this year, 82-69. And that IU-Purdue game is coming up on Saturday down at Mackey. So the Big Ten race is still on, but for how much longer. Northwestern will have to play some great basketball to stay alive going to Illinois and Maryland this week. 5.34 is our time. That's our hat trick of opening topics. When I come back, we'll have our Twitter question of the day. 
Then the next segment, more from new Irish offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. Budweiser's weekday sports feed on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and a video feed available on the Twitch app. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Good to be back with you after a couple of days off. Thanks for joining me on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream rolling at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. Hey, Pet Refuges, annual gallon auction will be held Saturday, March the 11th from 6 until 9 p.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn's Gillespie Center in South Bend. This year's event is titled Playing for Keeps. This casual auction will feature games, raffles, a wine pool, food, a cash bar, and lots of fun, including a kitten cuddling tent. Admission is just $50 per person. Come support the dogs and cats of Pet Refuge Saturday, March the 11th for their largest fundraiser of the year. Purchase your tickets online at PetRefuge.com. That's PetRefuge.com. Reservations must be in by March the 3rd. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, since I was off for a couple of days, we have to go back to Thursday to recap our Twitter question of the day, the most recent one. Back on Thursday, I asked, after taking a big deep breath, after all of the Notre Dame football rumors, the speculation, Do you feel better than you did 24 hours ago? On Thursday, we knew Jared Parker was going to be the offensive coordinator. So after taking a deep breath, soaking it all in, did you feel better 24 hours later after maybe being a frustrated Irish fan with all the buyout conversation? We look at the results. Coming in third place, 21.1% still felt miserable. In fact... They said, I feel worse. Coming in second place at 28.9%. Those individuals saw the sun came up and they feel a whole lot better. And winning the vote after taking a deep breath on Thursday after all the Notre Dame football rumors and speculation about the offensive coordinator job. Do you feel better than you did 24 hours ago? I feel the same won the vote at 50%. Thank you so much for voting. Always greatly appreciate the time you take voting on all our Twitter questions, which are found on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. How about a brand new question? This question is asked following yesterday's press conference involving Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman and new offensive coordinator Jared Parker. The question is this. Are you more comfortable with the dynamics of the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search after hearing from head coach Marcus Freeman? So we'll test your emotions one more time. Are you more comfortable with the dynamics of the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search after hearing from your head coach, Marcus Freeman, on Monday. 
Two choices, yes or no. I would love for you to vote. You can right now, later tonight, tomorrow morning, into the early afternoon hours when the voting will stop on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. And thank you in advance for taking part. All right, 542 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. More from the new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, coming up next as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on 960 AM WSBT. Hands off the dig. There he goes! 20, 15, 10, touchdown Notre Dame! Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSPT. Here come the Irish! Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. We are rolling right along on this Tuesday, February the 21st of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Midland Engineering Company, Pet Refuge, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and the Mishawaka Education Foundation. Well, things are coming back together for Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman after his offensive staff was disrupted, beginning with the departure of offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. He is now the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So Reese leaves open offensive coordinator and quarterback duties. Offensive line coach Harry Heastan retired after 40 years on the job. So Marcus had some vacancies to work with. We found out yesterday with the press conference being held that Marcus Freeman went with new offensive coordinator from his own staff, Jared Parker, tight end coach, offensive coordinator. We have not gotten the official word yet from Notre Dame on who the quarterback coach is going to be. The vetting continues, and we might hear something very, very soon. The expectation is that Gino Gadouli will join the Irish coaching staff as quarterback coach after Marcus Freeman worked with Gadouli at Cincinnati. Gadouli followed Luke Fickle to Wisconsin when he was named head coach, and Gino was only there two months before reportedly accepting the Notre Dame job, so we might have a press conference later on this week involving the new quarterback coach and to be determined who the offensive line coach for the Fighting Irish will be. Once we take care of the official announcement of the quarterback coach and they find an offensive line coach, then we can focus in on the start of spring practice, which is right around the corner. But Jared Parker worked with Marcus Freeman at Purdue, In 2020-2021, he was at West Virginia, offensive coordinator, 
came to South Bend last year to be the tight end coach for Marcus Freeman and now elevated to offensive coordinator when a couple other candidates didn't work out. And Parker is ready to go. And I'll say this, listening to Parker's press conference, I thought he had a home run. I thought he won the press conference, was well-spoken. You could tell he had a vision of what he wanted from this offense, and he's also understanding the opportunity he has in front of him and the challenges in front of him. It is a high-profile job in which the fan base will know your name and will understand if you're doing a good job or not, at least in their opinion, at all times. But it is a great opportunity for Coach Parker. So let's play a little bit more from his press conference, including how he started things off, introducing himself almost as Notre Dame's new offensive coordinator. We know him as tight end coach, but now we get to know him as offensive coordinator. Every morning I wake up from this point forward will be to put my feet on the ground and make this the right hire for Coach Freeman and everybody in this uh, organization. Um, as far as it goes with the offense, I think that anything you talk about, leadership's a very lonely role I've learned throughout my career. And the first job I have is to, to lead a group of men that are, that are very, very motivated to be great. And what that looks like is, is unfortunately when you lead, you have to hold everybody accountable to the standards set forth from the head coach and then for me in this offense. So holding staff and players accountable is one of the toughest things to transform to. I know early in my career, that looked like really wanting to be a pleaser in some ways and make sure that everybody likes you. And certainly you want to treat people with respect that at the end of the day, they know that. But at the same time, we're doing them an injustice. We don't people hold people accountable to the standards of it. So this offense moving forward is a collaborative effort, but it certainly falls on my name first. As Coach Freeman said, um, we see us as our structure in the shell of this thing, looking very familiar to a lot of things within the organization by formation by the way we line up, by the way we get things going in and out of the huddle. Those things will look similar, and to adjust and, and grow is one of our golden standard things. And we'll do that. We'll find ways to make sure it fits what we do, but also if there's ways we can enhance what we're doing and take a step in our passing game or our run phase or how we um, operate against um, highly loaded boxes in the run game, and all those things will come up. But I think the motivation moving forward will be what can our players do best, and how do we make the ball go forward and gain yards and score points? If the answer to that question is yes with any scheme we broach, then we're going to do it. If the answer collaboratively is no or it's too much, then we'll dump it, we'll move forward, keep things simple as we can, and continue to let our guys make our plays work, which is going to be a big thing that I've shared already with the guys. We want our guys to take care of the football. We want them to have effort with physicality. They want them to play with great details and make our plays work. So sometimes we'll cut the amount of plays and more look at making our plays work against multiple fronts and coverages so our guys are confident and play fast. So, All right, so there is Jared Parker, some of his initial thoughts on becoming offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I want to play this soundbite because I think it's very, very important. There is a lot of confusion to what Parker's role was at West Virginia when he was labeled offensive coordinator in 2020 and 2021. Just reading the different accounts on this, it almost felt like, from what I read, he was the play caller in 21, but in 20, 
it was kind of a mixed bag with the head coach being involved. Very confusing. So I'm really glad that Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated asked the question to Parker, hey, simplify this whole thing. What was your role? Because I think we all want to know how much experience he truly has as a play caller after his time he spent at West Virginia. So let's hear it from Coach Parker. What was his role? I would take a piece of paper and a pen and jot this down because there's a lot of detail here, even though he doesn't include all of it. But I'll tell you what, it's very confusing what was going on at West Virginia, and I'm not sure what the head coach was doing at that time. It almost felt like a grab bag from week to week, but I'll let you hear it for yourself. Here's Coach Parker on his role as offensive coordinator at West Virginia in 20 and 21. I'll paint a very honest picture and then do respect by all parties involved. That's about all I would put with it, is that um, a very clear message was put across when I took the job that I would run unit meetings and do a lot of things. I was involved in every uh, facet of, uh, of building an offensive game plan, controlling the players over there in unit meetings and all those things, and that was clearly portrayed. During that time, I was offered by Coach Brown an opportunity to be able to call plays at different times during year one. Um, and those will be different moments of red zone in different areas. When my number was called, be prepared. When it wasn't, serve the head coach and serve our offense. That was done. Year two at a certain time at that point, things changed um, for a multitude of reasons. When my number was called, I was prepared to call those games and called them um, in entirety. So at that point, that's when things maybe changed to a full scope of calling complete games. And again, the details of that I don't think are fair to, to, to anything moving forward. But I was tremendously grateful for that opportunity. It prepared me for what this one's going to be, and um, that's that's really about all I would say to it. Thank you. Okay, there you go. Got that? Understand? Now explain it back to me. Wow, there's a lot of detail right there. Sometimes he was a play caller. Sometimes he wasn't. Then in 21, took on the responsibility. Very interesting. I would love to known what was going on within that head coach's thinking when all that was going on. That's a, a really bizarre way of doing things. I'm not saying it's the wrong way. There are many ways to coach a football team and put your team in a position to succeed. But with the way that that was described, especially in 2020, you might be calling a play at this time, but not at that time. Well, that's very, very strange. You talk about a play caller needing to get into a rhythm in a game. Imagine not knowing when you were going to be called upon. Maybe he knew when it was red zone that was his time, but you never knew from one play to the next when you might get into the red zone. So very interesting. I'm really glad he took the time to explain that. He gave it more detail than I thought he would. Obviously, there was some more good stuff in there that he's not going to expound upon, but what a bizarre situation and upon hearing those comments, after printing out the West Virginia offensive numbers in 20 and 21, I threw them in the trash can because I'm not sure I can take anything away from those stats based on the story we heard right there and how much Coach Parker was involved in the actual play calling, in particular 20 and into 2021. So there you go. There's a little insight on how the play calling worked. What about the players he has here in South Bend, as he establishes what he wants from the Notre Dame offense in 2023, Coach Parker was asked to describe the group of young men he gets to work with this season. Yeah, 
It, um, as Coach Freeman said, you want to, again, show respect to what we did last year and to Tommy's job. The, the thing that we know we are built in is we want to be built O-line driven, and we're going to be built from inside out. With what we have returning up front and with our running backs and tight ends to be able to control a box, that's where it always has to start. Will we continue to find ways to attack people on the perimeter or deal with hat counts when they may be outnumbered, so to speak? Of course we will. Um, the growth of our wide receivers and all those things are going to be critical to us this spring, this summer, and getting into fall. Because we want to, like, there, there's no secret, no matter who it is, and I'll say the same thing in year two, like, we want to score more points than we did last year. And next year, we're going to want to score more points than we did last year. And so that's the deal. And I think, too, like, the one thing I want to make sure to say before my time's done here that we also want, we have great players and trust in our players, and I want them to feel that trust. I want them to feel empowered to grow so we can do things better week one to week two, three to four, so on and so forth. One thing he mentioned is vital for the success for the Irish upcoming this fall, and that is the development of the wide receiver position. There has to be massive growth at the wide receiver position. You do not want to hold back this quarterback. This quarterback has been extremely dynamic in his career at Wake Forest. He is the type of quarterback that watching him play can put the team on his shoulders. I will say this, and I know Tyler Horker from Blue and Gold Illustrated did a piece on this. He had better wide receiver weapons at Wake Forest last year than Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner had this year at Notre Dame. Now, tight end position, we're not going to go there. I think we know no one's going to match Michael Mayer from the Wake Forest roster, but there were some dynamic playmakers for Wake Forest that Notre Dame really was never able to consistently find, and now an opportunity a second-year Coach Stuckey working with these guys. I think with an upgraded passing scheme can really help these individuals as well. But again, you got Sam Hartman for one year. This is the most dynamic quarterback you've had since Brady Quinn. You do not want to waste it. So the evolution and the growth of the wide receiver position is vital for this football team to have Success. Yeah, you got to regroom the offensive line. You got new parts, and it takes time. Get that. A group of running backs that I think we all have high confidence in. Tight end position. We'll see how that plays out this spring with some injured guys coming back. But wide receiver room, boy, if they figure it out, this season could look a whole lot different. One final sound bite, as I established a moment ago that Coach Parker will be the tight end coach still. So a different situation than what we had the last three years when Tommy Reese was offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So now Parker, as offensive coordinator, will be working with the quarterback coach to help prepare Sam Hartman for what he wants done this year. Again, nothing official yet. The assumption is that Gino Gadulli will be the quarterback coach. Coach Parker was asked to describe the building of that relationship with the quarterback coach technician based we're going to have a pro that's going to do that part 
My part will be to make sure we have unit meetings, um, to watch past phases of our offense and different things, to make sure we're seeing the whole scope together through the same lens, and more importantly, let those guys feel my confidence in what we want to call because they also love it. So I think just tying it all together as a group so we're speaking the same language. Um, in the future, when we're able to announce officially our quarterback's coach, I don't want to be able to walk in and say something different than what he's saying. If we're not on the same page speaking the same language and we have an issue, and that won't be, that will not be something we'll want to do. So just being able to speak the same language, how do you do that? You got to be able to communicate in the same room a lot of times. So we'll find ways to cheat that time together if that makes sense. Again, very impressive press conference. I would say Jared Parker won that press conference with all the other noise that is not important now out there. I thought he did a great job of talking about what he wants and I think just calmed a lot of nerves. Was a very, very well-spoken individual with a lot of good vision. And the final exam will be how this 2023 offense does under the direction of of Jared Parker working with a terrific quarterback in Sam Hartman. 6.03 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up in a couple of moments, we've got our My 5 question of the day. A couple other comments from Marcus Freeman from his press conference yesterday, including supportive administration, the misconceptions out there, and why did you take a coach to a hockey game? All that was discussed yesterday. We'll play that back. Plus, we have some sizzler to get to as we get into the 6 o'clock hour. It is 6.04 in your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Our My 5 question of the day. We have a question with five answers to go along with it. So here is today's question. Let me set it up. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, excuse me. NBA player. Played at Duke for a year, high-end player, but comes just with a lot of drama wherever he goes. Asked to be traded by Brooklyn, got his wish. He was sent to the Dallas Mavericks. Great team, but the team he leaves behind, they're always in shambles. Recently, he asked for that trade. He got shipped off to Dallas, which brings us to this question. Who are the five players that I would not want on my favorite teams just based on the fact how much of a headache they can be. So this is my personal list. The five players, no matter what, I would not want on my favorite team. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Now, I know there are a limited number of hockey fans in my listening audience. So my number five is a hockey player. For the diehard hockey fans, you'll know who I'm talking about. If you're an average hockey fan, you may not. You might, but probably not. And if you don't follow hockey, I know that you will not know who this is. But at number five, it is former NHL defenseman Malcolm Subban. And it was mainly when he was a member of the Montreal Canadiens. So let me set this up. Since I was a little kid, Dad bought a satellite dish, one of those old aluminum satellite dishes. He taught me the game. In the Navy, he was stationed out in Boston and went to a ton of Bruins games. So I became a Bruin fan because that was the team he cheered for, and I still root for them today. Well, the Bruins and the Canadians are like any of the greatest rivalries in sports. It can get heated. The fan bases dislike each other. And... Malcolm had a tendency 
to fall down rather easily. He perfected the dive. You touch him and he falls down like he got crushed by a Mack truck. And so many times he would take a dive. Or he would do something on the cheap side. He had a visor on. He would put his his chin down to his chest. And with that visor, his face would be protected because when people went after him, he wasn't overly interested in getting punched. So he was just one of those players that would do stuff to your team and then would run away. And I just don't think that's the way a hockey player should be. So he was the ultimate king of the dive, and so many Canadian players have done that through the years. My buddy Jake Evans, formerly the Irish, he's not one of those individuals. He's a good guy. He knows how to play the game, but, man, Montreal is full of whiners, the fans and the players, and Malcolm goes in at number five. Four. Players that I would never, ever, ever want on my team just because of the drama that they bring to a franchise. At number four... I'm going with former NFL wide receiver Terrell Owens. Now, Owens, Pro Football Hall of Famer. His height, his size, his speed made him one of the more dynamic wide receivers in NFL history. But my goodness, wherever he went, there was always drama taking the popcorn after scoring a touchdown and dumping it inside his face mask. At one point when there was criticism of the quarterback throwing to him, that's my quarterback. And then he gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame but declines to be a part of the induction ceremony because he's upset about something. I mean, this guy was as good as it comes, but you know what? I'll take someone with a little less talent and more structure on and off the field, and I will be totally fine. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Now, this one, I think a lot of people in the listening audience would be like, absolutely not, Darren. I want this guy on my team, and I do get it. So for those listening outside the South Bend, Chicagoland area, you might agree, but inside the area, I know you'll disagree. But number three, a player that I would not want on my team just because of all the distractions or whatever the case may be, former NBA star Dennis Rodman. He was a big part of the Bulls winning those six championships in the 90s. One of the great rebounders of all time. One of the great, I guess, stylists of all time when it came to his dress, his hair. Just... There was so much more to Dennis than basketball, and I was not a Bulls fan during that time, so that's why I probably have a different attitude than you diehard Bull fans that I'm sure admire what Rodman did. He was a pain in the neck. He got people to react, which helped the Bulls. I get it, and I know why Bulls fans and probably Pistons fans loved him, but as a non-Bulls and Pistons fan, too much for me. I know he could get you 15 rebounds in his sleep, but I'll just take someone, I don't want to say more normal, but just without the excess stuff going on all the time. So 
Rodman made my list at number three. Number two. Players that I would never, ever, ever want on my team because of the drama they bring to the team or whatever the case may be. I go back to the NFL and wide receiver Antonio Brown. When he played for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers to start his career, I just don't recall a lot of excitement surrounding Brown away from the football field. If there was, it was much more under control. He was as good as any wide receiver during his era. The electric speed, great hands, route running. He made the Steelers a great offense. Of course, Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the football. But once he left Pittsburgh, there was just his feet in Las Vegas. Ended up going to Tampa Bay, playing with Tom Brady. Tom went out of his way to make it work, knowing that there's a lot of stuff that comes with having Antonio Brown in your team. Sounds like Brown stayed at Brady's house for a while. And then it all came apart. Was it last year? Not last year, but the year before, I guess, two years ago now. He ran off the field in the middle of the game and said goodbye to everybody and just quit. And I'm not even including all of the legal issues he's had to work through. little too much for me. Antonio Brown, number two on my list. Number one. And more than anybody else, the player that I would not want on my team because of all the stuff that happens going along with that player, it is Kyrie Irving, now the Dallas Mavericks. Again, wherever he goes, he asks for a trade. Wherever he goes, he leaves behind an absolute mess. I mean, the headaches that Brooklyn worked through trying to keep Kyrie happy from when he talked about how the earth is flat to not wanting to get the COVID vaccinations. Brooklyn dealt with a lot. And at the end of the day, he quit on them. Just like he's quit on most teams. There's always a reason why he can't stay. When things get tough, he runs. So now he is Mark Cuban's problem, which seems like a very odd combination. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, very excitable. And now Kyrie Irving on his team. Let's hope the Mavericks can keep him under control because that's a fun franchise. But my heavens, Luka Doncic, do you know what you're getting into? (laughs) Those are two great isolation players on the same team. I hope it works. Mavericks are a fun team to watch. But Kyrie, no thanks. I would not take him on my favorite team. So the five players that I would never, ever, ever want on my team, even though they are great players, just with all the headaches, NHL defenseman Malcolm Subban, former NFL wide receiver Terrell Owens, former NBA star Dennis Rodman, former NFL wide receiver Antonio Brown, and NBA guard Kyrie Irving. That's my list. If you have some thoughts, you can always drop me a line on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. 625 coming up next. We'll go back to Irish head coach Marcus Freeman's press conference from yesterday as he addresses some of the misconceptions and why he took a candidate to a Notre Dame hockey game. That's all coming up on 960 AM WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular. 
spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Fire, fire, rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. And I screwed up in the last segment when I was talking about Subban. It's PK Subban. Malcolm was the goaltender brother. PK was the defenseman, so I totally screwed that up. I just caught my mistake during the break, so nice going, Darren. You can't even get your names right, but it's PK, not Malcolm, was my number five. All right, 633 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Something worth pointing out for Chicago Blackhawk fans. March 3rd, next Friday, is the NHL trade deadline, and at that point, likely... The great goal scorer of the Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, will be traded. We'll have to see. Jonathan Taves has been out for an extended time with an illness. We'll see what he can bring back. It's probably not going to be franchise changing what the Hawks get back in return for Kane and possibly Taves, but it will truly close out a great era in Blackhawks hockey history with those three Stanley Cups led by Taves and came. All right, 633 on your home of the Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Let's give you a little bit more from Marcus Freeman's press conference from yesterday. The Irish head coach introduced Jared Parker as his new offensive coordinator. And despite some speculation in regard to Notre Dame not wanting to match a buyout of Utah's offensive coordinator, that was reported. Jack Swarbrick pushed back on that in an email to donors last week. Here's what Marcus Freeman had to say about anyone believing that Notre Dame is not all in and not fully supporting him as head coach of the Fighting Irish. I don't see if there's any other way um, that they can show more commitment to us having success. I mean, that could be with um, coaching salaries that can be with nil that can be with the support of our football program and continue to enhance everything we do facilities training table whatever it is that we believe our program needs to continue to climb to the mountaintop um, i've had full support by the administration and jack all right so money decision making there have been no pushbacks according to fighting irish head coach marcus freeman what about some of the misconceptions about the buyout, was Ludwig here? Was he offered the job? Was he not offered the job? Was the buyout an issue? There was just a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors that were floating out over the last week and a half in regard to Notre Dame's offensive coordinator search, and Marcus decided to address those misconceptions yesterday. The misconception of obviously um, the support, right? At no time during this process, did I not have the support of Jack Swarbrick and the administration? And that's, I want to be very crystal clear about that. At no point during this process or since my time that I've been here, did I not, do I not feel um, that I've had the support of our administration and Jack? Um, he's offered to pay whatever buyout there's been, right? And that's a part of college football. It's a part of business, right? There are certain buyouts for different people. Jack Swarbrick has never shied away from paying a buyout. And listen, in our line of business, the part of college football and, and college business, we negotiate buyouts. That's the, any coordinator, position coach that has a buyout, like we, we talk about those things, right? And we discuss them. 
But that's not the reason why somebody didn't choose Notre Dame. Let's make sure we, we get that out there. Two individuals decided that it was best for them to stay where they were at. And much credit to them. Congratulations. We found the guy I feel is, is um, the, the right guy for us. And I just don't want the, 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 the narrative to be that somebody didn't choose Notre Dame because of a bio, because it's not true. And I'll say it again and again. That is not the truth. Okay, there's Marcus Freeman offering his two cents on some of the reports that were out there. As I make this next statement, I am not disregarding his comments or saying what he said was not true. I just want to remind everyone there are a lot of good reporters out there. There are a lot of really good reporters on the Notre Dame beat. There are some outstanding national reporters that quite honestly, get more insight than those of us on the local beat do because oftentimes people in strong positions are willing to give those individuals the information. And who knows, there could be a a trade-off in some capacity. We're not as powerful in the smaller media. So I have a ton of respect for Pete Thamel of ESPN He is one that reported that Notre Dame balked on the buyout. I don't know if he's right. I honestly don't know if he's wrong. Notre Dame has pushed back on all of those storylines, and I have to respect what they are saying, but I also know Pete does a really, really good job. I've heard different things. Someone that I'm close to that I have listened to for years that has never told me wrong, gave me a totally different story than anybody else has heard. So there's just a lot of stuff out there. I think Marcus was very strong in his comments yesterday, and he was extremely believable in his comments addressing all of these misconceptions. But I I just want to remind folks that the media, it's not an easy job at all times. Sometimes you have to get through the smoke to get to the fire and maybe this time a national guy got it wrong but they do a great job and normally they're pretty close to how things eventually unfold but maybe just not in this particular case so finally the hockey game I'm so glad Notre Dame hockey gets brought up by somebody in the Notre Dame media outside of me because it is the most uncovered sport that's had the most success on campus. So I guess it takes the Notre Dame head coach bringing an offensive coordinator for people to talk about the hockey team. (laughs) Even though no one reported the final score of this infamous game where Marcus and the Utah offensive coordinator Ludwig was on the video board, Ron Paulus was there, Jared Parker was there. Little did we know that the true offensive coordinator was in that picture after all, Mr. Parker. So I want to play this soundbite. Marcus was really glad that someone brought up the hockey game because I've talked about it, other people have talked about it, and I've got a follow-up thought, but Marcus addressed the hockey game gate video board, national TV. There was Ludwig and Parker and Freeman and Paul is sitting watching Notre Dame take on Ohio State in hockey. We we brought guys in that we want, correct? So – we bring our top recruits into this place. And guess what we did with them on junior day? We took them to the hockey game because Coach Jackson does an excellent job, and that's a great environment. So we're not hiding the point of that 
we brought a guy in that we wanted. So we took him to the hockey game. And we ended up, he ended up not coming here. That's okay. We, I don't want to hide because I'm worried about, well, somebody might think that this guy turned us down or this guy said, no, he made a decision that's best for him. But I don't want to hide the fact of what makes Notre Dame great, right? If we're going to bring our top recruits to the hockey game, then why not bring an offensive coordinator candidate to the hockey game? Because why? If we don't get them, people are going to say, well, you tried and you lost. That's, that's life, you know? He decided to make a, a decision that was best for him. I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't if I had to. We want to put our best foot forward. We're not trying to hide and say, hey, let's interview guys, and, and we don't want anybody to know because somebody might say, you didn't get the guy you're going after. That's okay. That's life. You know, and we won't hide that. We won't, in the future, if we are interviewing somebody else, guess what? We're going to put our best foot forward and try to show them everything that's great about this place. Why hide? Well, that's not what we want to do. All right. There you go. So keep in mind when you buy hockey tickets, you might see someone being interviewed for a job. Who knows? Plus, you get to enjoy a great college hockey game. So that was Marcus's take on the hockey game and why Ludwig was there, even though he was not allegedly hired at that particular moment. So I'm going to defend you, the fans, and those of us in the media by just reminding everyone that Marcus might be just doing things totally different than everybody else. I'll be here 25 years in December, and I personally don't recall a candidate being taken out in public, let alone a Notre Dame sporting event, when they have not been hired. And if Marcus wants to change that thinking, that's great. But I think we have to be fair to the fans who saw it. And based on how things have been done, it makes you wonder, wow, this is probably going to be our offensive coordinator. Otherwise, he wouldn't be out in public like this. So I want to defend you, the fan, those of us in the media, based on how things have been done. It just seemed like two and two equals four. But you heard Marcus say, I take recruits to games, which he does, and I'm going to take candidates. Now we know. So the next time we see a situation like this where there is a candidate on the video board or he's at the game or she is at the game, that doesn't mean anything is done. So a new standard has been set, and we can now all adjust to that new standard. How about that? I like it. Be more open. Fantastic. 6.43, we've got some sports wagering picks coming up next Budweiser's weekday sports speed on 960 AM WSBT.